Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Love Evolved podcast. This is Leanne. I'm a holistic psychologist who specializes in the areas of love, sex, and relationships and work with clients all over the world. So please reach out if you need support. Welcome to episode 17. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this conversation that I had with Max and Kelly Trombley, who are just such beautiful models of a high-level conscious relationship where they also practice masculine and feminine polarity. This was a very important conversation, and these two are real leaders, in my opinion, of what a healthy, happy relationship is and how you can get there. This is an incredible episode, you guys, and it's not me taking any credit. These two are remarkable, truly. I've spoken with so, so many people in the field. This was one of my favorite conversations. I feel like it is required listening for anybody who is interested in having a really healthy, happy, romantic relationship. So we start off talking about the story of how they met, which was so beautiful to hear. And I really think it's going to give people hope. So please check out that part. Then we move into how to actually surrender into allowing love in versus grasping or coming from a place of more clinging, neediness, or desperation, which I have a lot of compassion for. This is a topic that is really, really important. A lot of my female clients really have challenges with this. And so I think you'll find this part very illuminating. And then we move into our definitions of what a conscious relationship is versus an unconscious relationship. We get into talking about David Data's three stages of relating, which is really incredible part. And then we move into masculine, feminine polarity, what this is, and also what the energetics really mean of what is the masculine, what is the feminine. We talk a little bit about the gender divide between men and women and really spinning it in a way such that we are focusing on hope and what is really to come, the incredible potential that we see in front of us and that we're living right now. And then they also share a a perspective that I really, really love, which is prioritizing love, sex, and relationships with children. So this is a part that's going to be very, very important for parents, especially. We also get into how they manage conflicts. And there's some real incredible nuggets of wisdom here. And then we kind of end off talking about this funny thing about what women really want and maybe how some of us are getting a little bit frustrated with the quote unquote conscious community or conscious men in particular. It's a really funny part. (laughs) And yeah, Max um, says something really, really funny towards the end. So this this episode is packed with so much wisdom. I cannot wait to just continue to have conversations with Max and Kelly. Max is really involved with a lot of men's work. He also works with women as well. And he mentors with John Wineland and does work alongside um, John's work as well. And so there's just so much wisdom here. Kelly speaks so, so beautifully. This was her first ever podcast interview. And Kelly is incredible. She has so much embodied wisdom to share. And these two are 
just such beautiful models. We need more couples like this around us to serve as beacons of what is possible. And so I hope you enjoy this. Please reach out to me, to Kelly, or to Max. All of our contact information is in the show notes. We would love to hear from you. So please enjoy. So Max and Kelly, welcome. I'm so happy to have both of you on today. I can't wait to talk all about conscious relationships, masculine, feminine polarity. It's such an honor to have both of you on today. Yeah, thanks for having us. You are so welcome. So I just wanted to start off by having a quick introduction from both of you. And then I have many, many questions that we'll dive into. Sure. You want to start? Sure. Uh, I'm Kelly. Um, I'm a mother of two, seven and a half year old and a two year old. Um, I'm a graphic designer and I am a wife. Indeed. Life is full. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Awesome. I'm Max, uh, Max Trombley, um, Kelly's husband, obviously, and, you know, the father of our kids. Um, I've been a photographer for 20 years. I am also, and now, uh, living as a life coach, relationship coach and, uh, men's work facilitator. And I've been running men's circles since 2016. So I've been in it for about six, seven years. Um, and I, I work with a couple people within that space and, um, and I teach and, uh, I help guide people toward depth in relationship and love. That is so incredible. Thank you both so much. And I kind of wanted to start out by having you share your story of how you met. And so we'll get into that in a minute. But actually, now that you introduced your background, both of you, I'm so curious. So 2016, Max, was pretty early regarding mm. this. all of this. Um, it's become more and more popular, I would say, in the past two or three years regarding men's work, women's work masculine feminine polarity and so what was it like back in 2016 it was interesting um well without going into too much about what created that moment for me i had no idea that men's work was a thing i didn't know there were people doing men's work mm-hmm. i just felt called to get together with men and um and just really dive into concepts like consciousness and mindfulness and meditation i had just learned a bunch of stuff through reading and um and talking to some other people that I, I sought out and kind of asked questions of. So what was it like? Well, long story short, I had no guidance. I had no modality for the work. I just reached out to a couple people, a monk and a therapist. And I was like, how do I do group work? And they gave me some answers. And then I just called some friends and started. And uh, I did meet a guy who had done some work with Mankind Project. So I, I co-led my first meeting with him. Um, but then he got a job with Facebook and took off to the West Coast. So I just started leading men's circles around a fire monthly, and I haven't stopped since then. So, uh, oh my gosh. yeah, yeah. And, and well, and what, what I will say is since then, I have um, cultivated much more depth in terms of my capacity as a facilitator by seeking out mentorship and, you know, learning from um, other powerful leaders within the men's work world. And so, I did at some point realize other people were doing it probably around 2000. Actually, it's funny. Kelly introduced me to other people that were doing it. And I was like, wow, there's other what, people doing well, men's work. This is what brought me to him yeah. to knowing that he existed. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of a funny story. Wow. Okay. So this is a great place for you guys to share. How did you meet each other? How did that happen? Yeah. So uh, do you want to start? Sure. Yeah. So I was married for 10 years and I have a son from my first marriage. And um, towards the end of that relationship, I became aware of um, of men's work and men who were, you know, deep diving and seeking out mentors. And I started like, 
I realized that my ex-husband could have really used that. So I started like jumping on the internet and um, I was looking for a local men's group and he wasn't online and there was like nothing in New Orleans that was happening, but I knew that it existed. Yeah, an interesting note is I was running one in New Orleans, but I wasn't advertising it right. online. So while she's so looking for a local him. men's group, I'm literally running one three miles away from Oh me. my God. <laughs> um, yes. She had no idea and couldn't find me. Yeah. So that was that was kind of a funny coincidence. But um yeah, I guess. Well, and, yeah, memory. I guess the segue would be so both her and I, the end of our long-term relationships ended about the same time. Um, I was also in a 10-year relationship and married. And so we both entered a space of sort of self-healing. And she was doing it with a son. So she was in a space of healing as well as, you know, shepherding her son forward. Um, And I was in a space of sort of wiping the slate clean and really looking into like, what do I, what do I want in relationship, which is the same thing she was doing. Um, So it's interesting as she was going the path of seeking out men who were doing men's work and realizing there's like conscious men out there. And I was kind of going the way of recognizing what my needs and what I wanted in relationship and what I wanted from a partner were. Um, which is kind of, a similar, doing that too. yeah, it's a similar thing. And, um, so long story short, she had dated a few people. I had, I spent a year dating. Um, I had a really conscious structure around dating and I got to the end of the year. I was using like, you know, Tinder, Bumble, OkCupid, different apps as she was as well. And at the end of the year, I went to close my container and stop dating for another six months. And that day she popped up on Tinder and I was like, huh? So and it was my first day on Tinder. Her, I was on something else before, but yeah, um, yeah, I was like, all right, fine, I'll do Tinder. <laughs> so her first day on Tinder, my last day on Tinder, we met as we were going through the doorway. And I was like, I'll give her till like tomorrow morning. I said noon, noon tomorrow. And at 930 Saturday morning, my Tinder thing like popped off. And I was like, oh, no kidding. And we couldn't stop communicating. Like from that point forward, we were like, I've got to meet you. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we met on April 1st, April Fool's Day. Yep. And uh, we fell in love under a full moon on the levee in New Orleans, Louisiana, <laughs> um, while big boats were going by and being eaten by mosquitoes. <laughs> it was pretty perfect. My gosh, you guys, I just love this so much. Okay, so now there's a million questions that I could ask. Yeah. So, so Max, what you said about like, you're like, basically, I'm done. I'm going to take a break. Mm-hmm. This I see time and time again in my own life with clients, where it's sort of like this thing where you're just like, you just give it up. You just give it up. You either end it or you just surrender to God. What is your theory behind why that happens? Yeah. So this is really interesting. And we because- have a different... I actually learned something from her with this and I believe it to be completely true. Um, I didn't understand it at the time, but when you stop grasping for things in life and you just rest as I'm ready and it is coming, that's usually when things really pop up and they usually pop up pretty quickly. And um, for me, I mean, it was exactly that moment when I was like, you know what? I don't need to search. It'll come. And as I was walking out the door of these, like, you know, this moment, uh, it just popped up. And so I think there is something, you know, it, it could be spiritual. It could be. I feel like there was this like fine tuning moment that happened in the week leading up to us meeting. Yeah. It she had an like, interesting experience. Can you actually speak to what you. Yeah. Had? Yeah. So I had, I had dated a little bit and I quickly realized like how unconscious relating and dating is. And it scared me because I, you know, I was like over 10 years out of that. So stepping into that, I was like, whoa, is this what it's like out here? And I was like, no, there's, there's another way. And then I did, I dated someone who was like, you consider a conscious man. I'm like, okay, feeling the contrast of what 
you know, dating someone unconscious is to someone who can actually like be with you and hear you and is, is interested and curious. Um, it's a world of difference. So I think just like fine tuning what you are actually like looking for and know is possible is really important. And, um, that ended. And I just went through this week of like, okay. Like first I thought I found the only conscious person in Louisiana. <laughs> I was like, I just lost the only conscious man in Louisiana. <laughs> so, cause it's, it's unusual, a little unusual here, but, um, um, I, so I dropped into this like moment of like hopeless. And then I was like, no, I was like, I found it. And if, if that, if I found that it's out there <clears throat> and it's coming, it's coming, I know it's there and it's on its way to me. So I just, I surrendered in that way. Like I didn't like jump on the dating sites and like search, search, search anymore. I was just like, it's on its way to me. I feel it. And I did, I really felt it. Yeah. And then Tinder. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. She literally spent less time on Tinder than anyone in the history of Tinder and successfully cultivated a long-term relationship. Like, I cannot <laughs> believe that. And I love that it was Tinder specifically. Yes. It does oh, have that yes, reputation. Like hookup thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing I teach about Tinder and online sites when I'm, I, I help people with dating and often I say it's really a numbers game and you've just got to kind of go through like the wash of people and feel them all until you start to feel what like depth and like not depth, you know, that contrast. And, and, you know, we all live such insular lives. We're all doing our own lives. We work, we have our own hobbies. Like we cultivate such a narrow path for ourselves at this point in human history that you need to just be in front of people. So dating sites are great, but there is a shallowness and there is a weird false way of like projecting and feeling other people's projections that makes it really difficult. So yeah, I don't know. a bit yeah. of it is, you know, having, having a good sense of what you're after before you date is so crucial. And uh, that's a whole thing. <laughs> okay. I love this piece and I didn't even really plan on diving in, but I think we have to, because there's people that will get real usefulness out of this, this sure. discussion about conscious dating yeah. is a really big one. And just to kind of circle back quickly to just the surrender piece, you know, I knew for so long and I was like even teaching with some, some colleagues about conscious dating. And like, we all were noticing this thing was happening where when you let go of the grasping, as Max said, right. The, the, it can come across sometimes energetically, whether people are conscious or not of it that are sitting across the table can come across as desperate and right. And if people can't even put a word to it, they feel it. Um, But it really is like the bigger spiritual thing that's happening is that you're really kind of putting your ego to the side. You're giving it up to God and you're allowing that allowing. through you. Yes. Right. And so you're, and so I'm not speaking about God in a religious context, just so people know I'm, you know, more of a spiritual person, but one of my mentors here in LA, David Elliott, he always says, um, don't forget that God probably knows better than you do. Right. And so like when you actually really do give it up, um, but that's the part people want to know the practical level of how, how do I do this? How do I just switch that, that off? And I, I have a lot of compassion for that as I'm sure you guys do, because that longing, especially from women, like we really like so badly want our person. Can you all speak to that? Just, just to give people some tips around that and support. Hmm. I, I can. Um, I think that Kelly and I have a, a similar and maybe a different experience just being that I'm a 
pretty profoundly masculine being, and she's very much a feminine being, um, but just coming from the world of embodiment and embodiment practice. And um, one thing that my teacher speaks a lot about um, is resting as yearning rather than grasping from yearning. And so um, it's more broad than that. Like at any given moment in life, you can rest as whatever your experience is. So if you're stressed and you're having a stressful day, you can rest as, Ugh. I'm stressed. I'm overwhelmed. Like you can rest in those discomfort, you know, uncomfortable feelings. Yearning is a beautiful one. Yearning is the desire to be loved and desire to love. It's the desire to be felt and like feel it's like, there's so much wrapped up in that. So I guess if you're in a space of yearning, if you can just be like, I'm a person yearning for love and just be that like, like, let it, let it go from the like neurotic thinking of like, and because of that, I, I need to find somebody and let it go into your lower body and just be like, mm, man, I'm yearning for something kind of the way you would yearn for food. If you're hungry, like I'm just yearning and, um, and resting as that, uh, is the way to kind of pivot grasp versus like allowing and surrender. Does that make sense? So beautiful. Wow. I think that will help so many people because yeah. yeah, so many women that I speak to, they, and then it just becomes this, uh, this hamster wheel and then it kind of spirals and it can yeah. get yeah. more and more and more intense. Right. Um, and so I love that advice. Thank you so much for sharing. Max. Yeah. And I also want to pin something. Kelly's experience is really important because it's less of a consciously embodied moment, but the way that she often vocalizes it is that when this other relationship that was before me kind of went the way of the wind, um, instead of her being like, like, like she felt hopeless for a minute, but then she just dropped into like, I know it's coming. And how would you explain how that feels? I guess. Like well, I, I think it was a giving up of a resistance to something. Right. You know so what, what I mean? was like the resistance? Was, um, the lack, like feeling uh, the lack of it versus, and I, felt more empowered when I switched it to feeling the, the openness of possibility and the knowing that I had experienced dating that was unconscious and not what I wanted. And then I experienced a lot of what I did want. So it like, it could re-anchor me and reorient what I was like opening for. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. I love that Kelly. And so what would maybe your words of wisdom be to the women out there who are saying, remember you had that moment of like, I just lost the one conscious man. Right. 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 So what would you say to women to kind of just like have them do that mindset shift or that energetic shift of like, no, like this is actually just an opening. I have to open and expand my vision of what's possible. Um, I think that if you look at any experience or any dating, dating experience, if you look at it as um, something that clarifies your uh, desire, yeah. then it, you can look at it as this was really great information so that I can move on up and open towards. Right. Um, yeah. And, and like the practical embodiment, like actionable step here um, for any of your listeners that are curious how to do this in a moment, it's about like breath, like truly a deep belly breath dropping into your body and then tapping the, the part of you that knows. Yeah. Like it's your, an, your it's wisdom. a deep knowing. Yeah, exactly. So you got to go like old school, like intuitive <laughs> knowing, you know, like just imagine you're in the woods with a sacred, like group of men or women, whatever <laughs> you're, you know, you are. And then you just like, you're like, I, I am. And it's coming. Like, I've got this, you know, really doing that from a physical level is my advice. So yeah. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I think there's like, um, 
I think there's a worthiness piece here as well. Um, I'm not sure exactly how to speak to that, but to tapping in, tapping into your worthiness Mm -hmm. and, um, and knowing that you do deserve love and you can have what you want. Yeah. And, and tapping into what you want to give as well. That was a big piece. Right. Um, recognizing that I, I don't only want to receive love. Like I have this like waterfall of love that's coming through and, and I'm, I'm like so excited to, to give that. Yes. 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 Oh my gosh. So I love the worthiness piece piece too. It's really important to speak to that because um, even if you in your conscious awareness have that yearning are so crystal clear on what you want if in the unconscious there is any worthiness or unconscious doubting that you deserve this thing, then it's not going to come. Um, and so that's why for me, when I work with people individually and in groups, we have to start there with the worthiness piece. And it seems people are getting tired of hearing about self-love and self-worth, right? But yet at the same time, it is the foundation to everything. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe the thing to do is to change the narrative around it. If people are getting tired of self-love, then it's got to be like self something else. Um, Because you're you're dead on. Like the truth is when I met Kelly, the day that I met Kelly, I met a woman who was ready to give from a place of I am capable. And that was the major difference from everybody else I had dated. Everyone else was like confused, you know, confused about what they had to give, confused about what they wanted, confused about what they needed. And I met her and she was like, hi, I'm a mom. I've got a son. I need a father. I want someone that I can love fully and that will love me and practice relating. That's like literally what she said on her first date. And I was like, great. I knew that day, (laughs) literally that I had found home in her. And I was like, I I found it. So yeah, can we pause on that for a minute? Thank you for sharing that. So this is something that I definitely advocate that people do. Like what Kelly, what you just did by saying that and offering that clarity of like, this is who I am. This is what I want is something that I, I'm so on board with that. This is one of the things that I get the most resistance from people though. And I encourage them to do it anyway, because the person like, like Max, the type of man that women are looking for and how Max received that, just the way that you said that you did is, is everything right there. But women of course are afraid. They're afraid to do that. They're afraid to put it all out on the table. We are still stuck in this mentality of playing these games and doing it a certain way. And Mm -hmm. should I move this back? Can you speak to that for, for a second, you guys? Well, one thing I'll say to any one of your listeners that's playing games, stop, stop immediately because your games are ultimately going to manifest the wrong thing altogether. You're being unclear. Mm-hmm. Um, no, the second piece is really I, like masculine beings at a core are mission oriented and they're doing their life and especially powerful ones that are really like great men. They're pretty geared towards here's what I'm doing in life. Here's where I'm going. So if a feminine being shows up and they're like, I don't really know what I'm going to do and what I want. Like, then it's like, like the masculine doesn't know what to do with that. Like in that moment, it's like, I don't, okay. Like I was looking for a wife. Sorry. Like that's not going to work for me. So like, you know, at least owning the part of you, it doesn't even matter what you are like and where you are in your process of knowing yourself. If you can just own the part of you that wants to love and serve that alone is a great start. Um, And the other part of it is that, you know, if you're living in a place of not having self-worth or self-love, yeah, like that's going to be felt. And I noticed that a lot when I was dating is people that just didn't have value, like self-value. And, um, and I couldn't be with that. I mean, especially after 
you know, the people I had dated over the course of my longer history in life, I just realized that I needed to find someone that was empowered and capable as a human and as a woman. And I mean, I was looking for a mother to create a family with. And I, I ended my last relationship because I didn't trust my partner to be a mother. And, uh, and so I, I like, I was like, I need to find a mom. So I needed to find someone that was capable. And at the end of the day, that's what everyone's looking for. She was looking for a man that was capable to lead her son forward and lead her heart forward as well. So show up capable. I think, I think um, anyone who's dating and who's like feeling the, like, this isn't working, this isn't working. Um, I just want to put like a pin here um, to shift the gear, I think is to get excited about it and yeah. get excited to love. Yeah. Yeah. To have it be because so many people, when they think about dating, especially if they've like experienced just multiple failures or that, that heart, that emotional roller coaster of Mm -hmm. getting your hopes up and then right. It's like, you can really look at it like a chore. So I love that Kelly, like approach it in a way that you're excited. You're curious. You like want to share yourself with someone. I think that's a huge game changer. So I think this is a good place where I want to kind of take it back to basics a little bit for people um, with the theme that we're talking about of conscious relationships, a lot of my audience uh, knows what this means, but maybe just bringing it back to defining it a little bit in both. I would love to hear from both of you in terms of what, what is a conscious relationship? Um, and you can also, if you feel like it, add on what this looks like in your relationship, maybe practical examples. Sure. You want to start? Sure. Go ahead. Um, for me, I feel like um, a conscious relationship is it's one that you're both opting into and you're both committing to create together um, and feeling each other, staying tethered to another person's heart, their sensitivities and going forward with that and proceeding in that way. in your relating. Um, like I know that I know that I'm like always aware of like where he's at you know, and I feel that from him as well. And it's just like this, like, I don't know, it feels like an energetic, just sensitivity of heart. Yeah. Another way to look at it. And I use, I use analogies a lot because they make things easy. Um, If you're going to grow a plant, like if you're going to have a garden or you're, let's just talk about one plant, you choose to buy a plant or start plant a seed. And then you have to cultivate that plant by watering it or doing other things like fertilizer or sunlight, you know? And, um, I look at relationships a little similarly. Um, we have a living energy that's between us. That's our relationship. And she has a living energy in her. I have a living energy in me and sort of being aware of all three of these energies is sort of the core part of consciousness and conscious relating. So, how is the quality of our relationship? That's the energy between us and being aware when something's not feeling right or just dropped for any reason. Um, how is she feeling in her body? Does she need something to like light her back up or nourish her or does she need space? Like these are, these are, you know, parts of it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's conscious relating is just basically understanding that your relationship is a living thing and you have a responsibility if you want to consciously relate to work with the life of that thing and keep it alive and nourish it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so many people like yearn or, or think that they yearn for conscious relationships, but they don't realize sometimes it's difficult and we'll get into some of maybe the challenges in a little bit, but, um, conscious relationships, I think at a 
core level, the word conscious, right? So like, why, why is it a conscious relationship? Conscious really just means that you're aware that you see the thing. And so I love what both of you share here, because like you spend a lot of time talking about the actual thing that you're creating, being aware that two people are coming together and they're creating the third sometimes entity is what I call it, the third energy that is the relationship. And that is a beautiful co-creation of Kelly and Max coming together and creating this, this third thing. And that has to be tended to, it has to be watered. I love your metaphor, Max. Yeah. And it has to be um, like almost worshiped in a like spiritual way. Like you have to worship your relationship as like the, the, it's the thing. Mm -hmm. It's like the thing that is truly divine, you know? It is divine. And so like in some of the esoteric traditions, the third thing, it's described different things. Like, for example, Isis, Osiris, and then Horus being the third thing that's created. It's it's like known in spirit. And this is where you get into divine union. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into the masculine and the feminine coming together to create the third thing. Right. Uh, because we can go down these rabbit holes and it's (laughs) fascinating. I just wanted to like build off of this this foundation of what is a conscious relationship. And so oftentimes also when I teach, and maybe this is good to spend a couple minutes on for people to really ground it in is what is an unconscious relationship? What does that look like? An unconscious relationship like is, and then I want to hear from both of you, but it's really kind of just what most of us are doing and it's not necessarily our fault. This is what has been shown to us. A lot of people like, I don't know very many people whose mothers and fathers, um, again, not pointing the finger, but like we're practicing conscious relationships, right? And so it's kind of like unconscious relationships are what maybe 90% of people are living out there. And so they're not really being aware. I wanted to spend a minute on this whole thing of co-creation, which we were just talking about, right? Two people coming together, creating the third thing. That means that neither person... um, you're not in a vacuum, right? It's not just you and everything is happening to you in the relationship, which I think happens a lot, especially women are more known for this, I would say. Um, But I know, and I know this was one of the most powerful things that I had to lift myself up out of this victim mentality of like, my ex-husband's doing all of this stuff to me. He's hurting me. He's doing all these things. I'm just over here. I'm not responsible for that. Um, Can you guys talk a little bit about this dynamic that is often seen in unconscious relationships? Yeah. Well, the first thing about an unconscious relationship is that you usually have two individuals who are operating from like there, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with David data, but he speaks about the first, second and third stage in relationship. Right. And so the first stage is basically just self and it's about self. Like it's not even self-awareness. It's just like you're living from the self and your unconscious needs, wounds, et cetera. So in unconscious relationships, you ultimately have two people that are coming with their own wounds, their own needs, their own desires. And they're like kind of bumping up each other, trying to like luckily make them work. But often when they don't work or they do work, there's no awareness. Why? And so in an unconscious relationship, it, it lasts as long as it possibly can until the volume of the things that don't work is louder than the volume of the things that do work. So there's, there's really no sustainability there unless you're lucky. You might get lucky and you just happen to be attracted to somebody else who has a similar, like it, this happens a lot in communities where there's a kind of communal way of life. Um, because what happens is the way that two parents raised this person is similar to the way two parents raised that person. And then those people come together and they have such a similarity in terms of what they were brought up in that things just work. Right. 
but we don't really live in that kind of society anymore. So now what's happening is unconscious people are coming together. They're doing their best. It's not working. Then they move on to the next one. Um, I hope that answers your question. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's first stage living. It's like two people living from the self unaware of how to serve themselves and the other. Yeah. Beautiful. And I think that it would actually serve the listeners too, if we could outline the three stages, which sure. I'm all about, let's go to stage three, let's get there. I know. So maybe I know. You give a, an overview. Yeah. Well, actually there's something beautiful about all the stages. So what's great. So my teacher's name is John Wyndham. And he brought this up recently during uh, uh, an immersion is even the first stage is incredibly beautiful to explore. Like what are your needs? What are your wounds? What are your desires? Like that space is really important to be in so that you can become a healthy, you know, conscious human being. Um, the second stage is really about, uh, you know, it's more like communication and negotiation, right? So like Kelly and I come together and we're like, this is how we want our relationship to be. Like that's kind of a second stage way um, where you sort of like communicate and establish what we desire, right? Yeah. And and then third stage is sort of like as the individual, how do you do something that serves the depth of the whole thing? And so it's like instead of me communicating to Kelly, like, um, you know, hey, let's go on a date. Like, do you would you want to go on a date on Friday? Like, here's me in second stage trying to negotiate something that's good for our relationship. Third stage would me be like, hey, make sure the kids are handled on Friday. I'm taking you out. Like that's me from a third stage taking our relationship to a place that it needs to go. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I just, can I just also add sort of like a historical um, overlay to that? Of course, yeah. Well, so stage one is, and I love, by the way, Max, how you said that there's actual like utility to all of the stages. I love that because you actually can't progress unless you know yourself. And so you have to kind of explore like the ego level in a way in order to transcend it eventually, right? Um, And so stage one Uh, You can see this a lot in, so this is just a very like general way of describing it, but it's the 1950s model of like, um, you know, the man is the breadwinner, the woman is the housewife, and it's a very fixed, there's fixed roles. And yes, there's that, that strong masculine feminine polarity there, but it's sort of like not necessarily by choice for either person necessarily. Um, Just adding like how this has unfolded over the years uh, contextually for people. And then with the rise of feminism and like, we're both equal, you entered into collectively a lot of stage two of like, we are the same. There's no differences between us. Um, And there is a lot of that negotiation, like we have to make sure everything's fair and equal kind of a thing. Um, Again, there's beauty to that. There definitely is. But then also you lose the polarity because there's kind of a neutrality of the the polarities, the masculine and the feminine um, in that way. And then stage three is this beautiful place that perhaps we're headed, hopefully that we're headed to explore that. But stage three is... um, something where we're, we're reclaiming the polarities and recognizing that men and women definitely have differences and we celebrate those things and we don't actually say that they're bad or we're not trying to transcend them. Um, yet at the same time, it's like there's an aspect of empowerment and choice and also energetic agility in that, um, 
One of my mentors was Justin Patrick Pierce, who is a colleague of John Wyland's. And so he teaches the concept of energetic agility pretty beautifully, which is that we don't have to rigidly stay in these fixed roles where men are 100% in their masculine, women are 100%. That's beautiful to learn how to be in those spaces, but then to know how to flow and dance. It's more of like a fluid dance when to actually turn on the polarity, right? The switch. Um, Sometimes it's not always appropriate to have polarity turned on 24 seven, you know, and it can be beautiful too with conscious relationships where you practice polarity. One of the things for me of divine union being the path to enlightenment is that Max can activate Kelly and show her certain things that actually live within her that can be cultivated and vice versa, right? And so this is how you practice these advanced levels. I think it's such a beautiful um, place that we're headed. There's so much potential here. And I love, um, but but I really, I'm going to ponder what you said before about how each of the stages has a usefulness. That's really beautiful. Yeah. And I think it's just critically important to recognize that first stage is, is the core of everybody's path within conscious awakening. It really starts at first stage and it should start at first stage where you just look at like, what are my needs? What are my core beliefs? And what do I need to heal within myself? Period. Full stop. Um, and, and that is the birth of awakening. So there's, you know, of course, in relationship, we want to be living in third stage, but actually I think that like majority, the majority of conscious relationships actually live beautifully in a second stage space. So it's not that there's a hierarchy. It's just that there's a, there are different things like first, second, and third stage within life that, um, at any given moment, like maybe a different stage would serve the moment, uh, in a deeper way, um, but also the, maybe the moment calls on like me being in a first stage moment and just being like, this is what my needs are. And they're not being met. Like that's kind of first stage activated, you know? Um, and that's okay. Oh, and that's beautiful, Max, actually, because you can, again, with the dance concept, you can in like your current relationship, you can flow kind of between the stages, right? It's not like the same every single day. Yeah, totally. Um, And so with this kind of, um, what we're bringing in now with the masculine feminine polarity, how would you guys describe maybe for beginners, what this even is? Um, I know a lot of my audience is familiar. What is it at a basic level and how does it work in your relationship? Yeah. So the way I explain polarity is similar to how I explained conscious relationship. So it's almost like a fireball between two people. Right. And it's easy for people to understand this through the lens of when you first meet somebody, you have a charge, you're magnetized. You're like, wow, I really am attracted to this person. And so kind of polarity naturally exists at the beginning of a relationship. Um, But throughout the course of a relationship, that initial like new relationship energy, which is sort of a coined term within the like relationship space, um, that new relationship energy typically wanes the honeymoon phase, right? It kind of wanes, but it doesn't have to. And that's where cultivating conscious polarity is super valuable. And so what that means really is, um, you know, it, it has, it has a bit of like the masculine, the, the masculine partner, whoever that is in a relationship, really understanding what masculinity and like the masculine way of being, um, is and feels like, and the feminine partner really like kind of tapping into the feminine. And this could be, you know, it could, I could be the masculine, she could be the feminine, but can also be the opposite. Um, and, uh, and then in, in like non-hetero cis normative relationships, like, you know, it still exists, but it's like, there's all different ways that it can show up. So it's not just for cis gendered normal relationships, but, um, 
yeah, polarity is the cultivation of the kind of fiery energy between two people um, that's similar to the magnetism and excitement that start that happens at the beginning of a relationship. And I think um, I think if you choose to prioritize this, especially when you're raising children, that um, like if you both opt in and you're like this is this is very important to us, and you keep tethered to that, then I think that that is a way to sustain. Yeah. Because we, we always are talking about like, we're like, wow, we're like, we're years in and we are like still lit up by each other. And yeah. I think it's because we, it, it's that important to us. Yeah, totally. And yeah. we, and we do, we do practice it in all sorts of ways. And, um, it is kind of at the core of how I coach without even coaching the context or like the idea of polarity. I think like when I'm coaching men about activating their relationship, I'm just like coaching them on act, act like actionable steps to like light up the feminine or to like, feel wider as a masculine, you know, and it's all, it's just an art. Um, it's an art within relating. I love how you guys talk about the prioritization, especially with children. And that must be hard. So we'll get into that as well. I want to have you guys speak to that. I think it's a beautiful thing that you both bring to the table with weaving it into having children. Um, but also what I think would help too is I, and I would also just as a, as I'm such a nerd, but I would love to hear maybe both of you speak a little bit about what is the masculine and what is the feminine? I guess in simple terms, the masculine could be the structure, the solid ground. When, when I was dating and seeking, I was listening to something and someone put it in the terms of, you know, a mountain and the river. So, um, I was seeking a mountain so that I could allow my river to flow freely, but within like a beautiful guide. The core masculine is consciousness. It's just, it's just what is without anything else there. So like emptiness is, is the masculine and then everything that's going on in the world, every like energetic piece, uh, is the feminine. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just the, like, it's the it's the poles of the universe, you know, electricity works through positive, negative. There's so many different things that work through polarity and poles. And, um, and it is beautiful how it works because one yeah. works even more or is even more, um, expressed because of the other, Yeah, you know, like if, if there's structure to hold something and allow something, yeah, totally. Then it can flow in a beautiful way. Right. Yeah. Complementary energies of both, right? Like that's what just like melts my heart every time. It's like they work together. And so when I, nothing breaks my heart more than seeing um, the divide between men and women. And I know this, the masculine, the the feminine are energetics. They go beyond gender. However, when it comes to the, like just talking about what's happening and and the, the divide that's happening, it breaks my heart because they're such incredible complementary energies that can support each other, right. To lift yeah, yeah. give us to our highest. Yep. Yeah. What, and, do, what are you, what are you speaking to when you say the divide? Are you saying just like the cultural shift away from these ideas? I am. Yeah. I think I'm just saying the historical wounding that women feel that have been kind of done to them by men. Right? Sure. So, um, when I talk about healing the relationship between men and women, this is not just things that we as women have experienced in our own life, like from men, right? Harm yeah. from men, but also like what we carry in our DNA from generations uh, past, right? And so like this, this historic thing of, of that happens, again, this is totally speaking in generalities. It's not, there are individual exceptions, but oftentimes women, whether they're conscious or unconscious of it, um, 
feel like they have to protect or guard themselves from the masculine. Um, And yet at our core, we yearn to really open. And so that's, that's kind of what I'm speaking to. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I think you're right on about just where this all comes from. And, you know, historically there's been just a way of life in civilizations past and present that have been incredibly discordant to the human heart, right? And it's both the feminine heart and the masculine heart. Men have been incredibly wounded by the way that like civilizations have worked. You know, it's interesting. Male suicide is higher than female suicide uh, across the board in every country. And the reason is because men are just spit out, you know, they're chewed up and spit out and not, you know, cared for. And women are also like kind of chewed up and spit out as like, you know, just like the mother cycle, right? Like producing and creating and then like, just stuck in the space of that. So, yeah, I think that the thing that ultimately is happening is that there is a divide, but I also think that there's a great coming back to, um, and I see it everywhere where people are really yearning for, you know, coming back to the depth of their truth. And, um, you know, we see it in anyone that's doing work with ancestry and coming back into like their connection to their ancestors or their ancestral way of being, Um, people that are coming into relationship with their physical self through diet, through nutrition, like even all of these are ways to like come back into the self. And then it's from there that like coming into relationship with other often clarifies a lot of things. Um, Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, Kelly, go ahead. Yeah. I just had a thought. Um, I was just thinking on like the, the evolution of all these phases that humanity has gone through and, and as hard as they all are, I mean, I feel like it's like, it's, it's evolved. You know, we, we needed feminism for certain reasons. We needed men to drop into their own, um, their own feminine for certain reasons. And now we're at a place where as a group, I feel like we are, we've just been like stretching and stretching and stretching. And now I feel like we're at a place that we can marry this beautifully and in a more evolved way than ever before. Yeah, that's so beautiful, Kelly. And what I would say to that is, is that does bring me a lot of like peace and hope when on some level, even though, um, you know, we can, it's easy for us to point our finger at all the things that are wrong right now. And uh, there is a truth that we're kind of in the dark ages in some respects, right? But there is like what you just said encapsulates the beauty to maybe there is a bigger divine order happening where it is unfolding exactly how it's meant to unfold. So I love that. Thanks for sharing that part. Yeah, Yeah, there's a really interesting way of looking at this. And I think it's important. So a lot of this came out of the 1960s, right? So it's like at the end of the 1950s, there were some experiences globally that were happening. And then the 1960s hit and all of a sudden it's like we let the cat out of the bag and all of this stuff came into our societal space and our cultural space. And since the 1960s, it's almost been like everything exploded, new things emerged, like civil rights movement and feminism and all these different concepts with spirituality. And what's happening is like some of them are taking more of a root and have been for quite a period of time, and they're kind of blossoming and expanding. And a a really great analogy would be like, let's say that you had a bunch of kids that had never played on a playground before, and like 300 children were let out of the doors of a school and were allowed to go out into the playground for the first time in their life. What would happen at first is utter chaos. Like it would be insane. And then gradually, like certain kids would group up and start playing with things certain ways and trying things certain ways. And like, inventing games and these games worked and they didn't, but eventually you'd have some semblance of order on the schoolyard. It's natural. It's the way that we work as humans because we make order out of things that are disordered. So what's beautiful is that I feel like we really are at a place where we are cultivating beautiful depth to things that really have been emerging for the past 60 years. 
And some things are still going off the rails, which is fine and normal. And some things are really coming into a space of a deeper um, way, a deeper way. And we're seeing it all over the place in almost every space in the world, uh, culturally speaking. So, yeah, it's, it's a very exciting time to it is. Have right now. Yeah. Um, and so I think because, wow, we have almost been talking for an hour, I could talk to both of you forever. This is such an incredible conversation. I wanted to actually shift again and more into the practical of like, you are parents, right? And so I wanted to really get into that piece because um, it's really hard, right? It's hard yeah. to just juggle all these things. And so um, anywhere that you want to take this, um, ultimately, I would love just for some advice, some support to be given for parents who feel like they might not have time to do a conscious relationship or polarity. Um, what would you say to them? I would challenge them outright and say they don't have a choice. I would call their <laughs> bullshit. And I'm sorry, but here's the deal. If your relationship to your partner is not doing well, your ability to serve your children beautifully is going to suffer. And this is something that actually Kelly brought to my attention uh, a couple of years ago through her belief that like committing to me and like us doing life together was the core need for our life and our children's lives to blossom. Um, it is. So, it feels like the highest service that yeah. we can provide for our children yeah. is uh, being a home for each other first and foremost, so that they can have a stable home and a, and see what it is to have a loving relationship. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I just got chills. So thank you. So let's talk about this for a little bit, because I agree it is extremely important. It's hard to see sometimes when you're stuck in the day-to-day grind, you're just trying to like get through the day, right. To have this bigger thing. But if any, everyone can just kind of pause for a moment and say, to be the best parent possible, to leave behind an imprint for them. That's the one thing for me that I didn't even really want to get out there and start dating. But I was like, my son deserves to see a model of an incredible, healthy relationship. And so for me, it's a gift to the children, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, same thing. Like my son needs to feel what it feels like to be loved by his father and like really loved in a way that's beautiful. Um, and to see how, how to love a woman. Yeah. You know, what, like partner. what relationship can look like, you know, like our, our children in life are only going to get as far as we get, you know, and if we model dysfunction and disease within relationship, then that's what they're going to learn. And that's what they're going to be attracted to. And they're going to cultivate. And so it's so critical that, you know, people just realize like, all you have is each other and all you have is the depth that you can go in life, even with your children. And, um, I mean, I get it. I get that it's hard. And especially people that have been in relationship long-term might feel like it's impossible, especially if they have a partner who's not on board conscious relating or this idea of self-growth. But even from that space, you can do a lot. You can really serve a person forward kind of in a third stage way um, with your own self-growth and your own learning. And uh, yeah. And also like at the end of a hard day, I mean, he, he is relief for me and we're relief for each other, you know, no matter how chaotic and mad the house may be because of all the things, um, in moments, like, I feel like we touch a home base and it's, it just feels like love and relief and like, oh, we still have this amidst the madness. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And there's a little pin to put in like maintaining a beautiful sexual relationship and like an active sexual dynamic. Cause at the end of the day, outside of our thinking minds, we connect often 
within just intimacy and touch and love and sex and, you know, keeping that alive in relationships, however that looks for anybody is such a big foundational piece. Yeah. And I mean, that can be woven in throughout the entire day. I mean, if we're apart, it can be in text, it can be reminders of each other. It can be in difficulty with the children, you know, touching each other, like grabbing each other even to like, yeah, I, it's yeah. like, there's so much just relief and <laughs> yeah, just totally just touching each other. And like, if she's having a moment where she really struggles in life and I'm just like hitting on her, it's over. Yeah. Like, she's just fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. You know? And that comes from the health of our relationship. Right. And like the quality of our like practice with polarity, but like, literally like, this is how we work. Like, it's okay. Everything's fine. I'll take care of you later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we need humor too. Yeah. yeah. We, humor. Yeah. Humor and joy and, and sexual spark totally. woven throughout. Totally. I mean, you guys really need to be teaching everybody how to do this. Right? Yeah. I mean, this is we, and we can really keep talking for hours and hours. I'll start to kind of wrap it up a little bit, but um, the one thing that I do want to ask you guys, cause I think this is important. Um, is how do you, cause I can already tell energetically you keep things very clean, right? Like, and that's part of a conscious relationship of like making sure you don't sweep things under the rug, making sure everything feels really good. Right. Because I mean, as a woman, I, I know that I wasn't, I'm not able to open to my man if there's stuff hanging in the air. Um, and so just this kind of broader thing of like getting through bumps and conflict and, in order to keep things really juicy. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? And what are some things that you do on a practical level when you get mad at each other? Yeah. So there's two things I'll bring here. And the first one is that within the culture of our relationship, we established pretty early on that if either one of us is closed to the other, like you have basically 24 hours to like have that closure, but then come back to the table. There's there's an actual like responsive. It's like a self-responsibility that I have. If I'm closed to, to Kelly, like I, I'll give myself one day to be with this closure, but then I have a responsibility to open my heart again and, and heal whatever needs to be healed. So there's that. But usually I feel like it doesn't even take that long because like, there's something, it feels so painful when there's closure between us. Yeah, that's so, true. And I think it feels that way for both of us but like, to where it's almost like, right. like, what is up? Like we need, we need to figure this out. And sometimes it needs a little space. And sometimes it's like, we have to get to the root of this. Yeah. So, so we did establish this as a conscious part of our relationship pretty early on, which is like, like, I'm going to commit to like no more than 24 hours of closure. If something's off, I'm going to come back to. So that's part one of this is like actually having some awareness that that's a choice. The second piece is that, yeah, sometimes things get hard. And like recently we had a, a moment where it was kind of an extended period and something that ultimately this comes down to is like, where am I not nourishing myself? Where is she not nourishing herself? And then where are we just like, out of flow, you know, with the relationship. And often the answer is pretty simple. Like we're just not putting the time and intention into keeping that fire alive, keeping that connection alive. Um, this, this happens a lot with me. Cause I'm very, like, I'm a very business minded. My dad was an engineer and I'm like, I think a lot and I use my mind a lot. And, um, so I've been really like working three different businesses recently and, um, and what that ends up doing to my embodiment is I'm just super narrow and I'm like super driven in the space. And she feels that as like, where's my husband? Like what's going on? So even though it's not closure in the traditional sense where I'm like annoyed at her, it's still closure where I'm closed off to her. And like that went on for a longer period and it's a little more nefarious than actual emotional closure. And so we had to like, really say like, what's going on in our connection and like, what do we need to do to bring this back? And it was a little bumpy. Like we tried a little bit, but then I'm just like, I got to get this work done. It's like 1030 at night. She's on my shoulder, like wanting to love me. And I'm like, 
what should my next 27 Instagram posts be? And like, what's my transmission and how are people receiving me online? And she's like, can you shut, shut up for a second? Can we just, can we like, just be and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but hold on. Like really what? And so you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's also how closure comes up. And so me recognizing like, oh shit, like I've got to just chill. Like my wife needs to feel my heart or like, I've got to fuck my wife and like get back into this space of connection. Like either way, back into union, pardon my language, by the way, I don't know, whatever, <laughs> but like part of it is just realizing like, and having the, the self-awareness to be like, you know what? I have been closed and I have responsibility and sometimes calling for your partner's response. Like what's your responsibility in this? And like, not that it's like, not that that's, you don't want to like always make it about the other, but there is this thing of calling both people forward. Like Kelly will say like, you just feel closed and I'll be like, what do you mean? But like, she's right. You know, and, and listening yeah, yeah. to and what, like, what more can I do to open him? Yeah. Like, cause you know, it does, it, it puts me on the track of like, oh gosh, he's like, he's going to reject wrong. me if he, if, you know, and he never rejects me, but like, there's like that feeling of if I push further in, am I going to get hurt? And, um, it, it's a pushing past that. And just, a, a coming to the table of what, what more can we do on each of our ends? Yeah. And also closure is really, that's where like, that's the garden of wound. And like, so if partners are consciously or unconsciously closed off to each other, we're automatically triggering all of our like child wounds in the other partner. And, um, and being aware of that is so critically important, like, because you need to have some compassion. Like the way I'm showing up is triggering my partner's wounds. I can feel it in her expressions. Like, fuck, like I really should do something to shift that even if I don't feel like I have time or space to do it, like, what am I committed to in life? Am I committed to a beautiful love or am I committed to myself? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is so incredible. And then we um, will end by just having both of you share any words of wisdom. You feel like you didn't get to express today um, either for couples or um, maybe two women or two men regarding um, anything that we've been speaking about today. Sure. You want to start? Sure. Um, I guess I'll say two things that I feel are most important. And it's one, feel in your body, the excitement that you have to love and to give. And I truly feel like that's going to come back around and it can be a beautiful, just giving and receiving and higher order love. Um, and secondly, it's the commitment. It's the commitment to your partner and yourself that this is it is the most important relationship that you can cultivate. And it's a, it's a beautiful one. And especially when you're raising children, like we said before. So I think excitement and, and commitment to prioritizing that. Yeah. And what I would just say is, I mean, toward, toward women, I would say that if you are looking for a beautiful, like devotion filled and like committed relationship with a man, like it's possible. And there are men out there. There are tremendous numbers of men doing this work. Um, I work with tons of them. I see them um, and they're out there and learning how to call that in is critical. And that's a way there's a way to do that. And then for men, what I would say is like, this is just, you know, my powerful call forward is that, you know, you've got one life and you have one opportunity to really do something beautiful with your power, with your strength, with your wisdom, with your, you know, your purpose. And, um, and the time is really now, like, there's no reason that men shouldn't be activating and living more consciously and more beautifully and a better life comes from it. Um, a more beautiful 
life that you can receive and be given comes from consciousness and, and really tapping into awareness and how to live from those places. So, you know, don't take for granted that our time is limited on this planet and this life is, is all we've got as far as we know, or at least in this form and uh, you know, get it because it's worth getting. Oh, I would like to say one more thing. Yeah. You made me just think of this. Um, also, I, I think that remaining focused on like conscious communities is not necessarily the way always. Like, I think you should remain open because there are people who live in devotional ways who are not in these spaces. Yeah. And I think they're everywhere. I think that we just kind of become blind sometimes. It's interesting. I just, I'll just drop this pin really quickly. Cause it's so important. I was coaching a feminine client recently, a woman, and she was trying to find relationship. And I was like, girl, you just need to find a farmer, like legitimately, <laughs> like forget like all the consciousness stuff, find someone that's just committed to their life and living it. And I kid you not, she found a guy who's like invested in soil science and like <laughs> dirt and like, and like, she's having the best relationship of her life. And I was like, man, it's true. Find a farmer. <laughs> I'm so happy that we're ending on this. You guys, by the way, you both shared such beautiful things. I mean, we could literally keep talking forever. I'm not, and part of my Virgo self is like, but I want to like go follow up on this and that. You said so many beautiful things. Um, this is so interesting, isn't it? You guys, like Kelly, this point of like, don't just look in like the conscious spaces. I'm actually getting to the point where I'm getting a little bit like, I don't even know if I want to call it conscious relationship anymore because yeah. it does kind of, it attracts a certain, um, yeah, type of people, right? Yeah. Um, I'm just giggling because like, I think that we know what we're talking about. But anyway, the farmer thing is so key. Um, yeah. Ashley Rose Wolf, who's femorizing, she's awesome on Instagram, was saying something so funny to me. She was basically like, I am done. Okay, this is her. She's going to laugh at this. And this is for no <laughs> one to get triggered. She's like, I am done with conscious men. She's like, just oh, regular old Joe. And she's, she's yeah. like, those men are more conscious than people who say that they are. So. Yeah. The majority of conscious men are living in their feminine. It's crazy. And like, they haven't gotten past the sense, like the, the feeling of, see, this is what happens is there's the unconscious man and then he becomes conscious and he's like, I have feelings. And so now he's on his feelings and that's where they get stuck. And we see it all over the place. And at the end of the day, like, would you rather fuck a guru or like a fucking cowboy? <laughs> Like, really, like, no one really wants to be with a bearded guru. You want to be with the guy that just got off a horse and he's dirty and he's like, fuck, what a day. You know, it's true. Oh, God. I'm so happy that we're talking about this because this yeah. is what I think that that term, the sensitive new age guy, didn't yeah. it come from the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy? Yeah, that's my um, buddy. Robert Glover is a friend of mine. And yes, probably. Yeah. And so, and then Michael Bates, who's also kind of in the scene, like he likes to talk about the snags, yeah, um, yeah. but like, this is the thing, but just to kind of all jokes aside, like bring it back to what Kelly said about there is kind of this natural evolution that's happened. It's sort of did, like the integrated male, like men did need to get in touch with their hearts and their feelings, but now it's totally. kind of like, what's, what's next. Right. And so like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love what you say, Max, it's so important. Um, oh my gosh, this was such a pleasure to talk to both of you. I, yeah, I loved every minute of this. Um, just to wrap up, is there anything that you both would want to share in terms of how how people can connect with you or find you or anything you have coming up. Yeah. I mean, you can find us both on Instagram, although she shares a lot of our family stuff. So her Instagram is private. I'm Max Trombley. It's uh, M-A-X-T-R-O-M-B-L-Y. I'm sure you'll link it. Um, and I, I also have websites, but you know, ultimately if you're just trying to connect with me, Instagram is probably the best way. 
Beautiful. It was such a pleasure. Thank you both so, so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and we'll talk soon. All right, take care. If you have any comments or questions for me, please reach out on my website, which is love-evolved.us. I work with individuals and couples on everything related to love, sex, and relationships. I also have a really deep dedication to teaching people about high-level conscious relationships, which are the new paradigm of romantic relating and in general with all of our friends and family. You can DM me on Instagram. I'm really active over there. You can also just go to my website and email me through the contact tab. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and I'll talk to you very soon.